0: Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of
1: Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Felony Friday is the show where each and every week I focus on exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Now, here, On the Lions Liberty podcast, we bring you three episodes per week. That's three unique shows per week in each of those episodes. Starting every Monday, we have our longest running show hosted by Mark Clare. Mark brings on some of the leading minds in the liberty movement. He also hosts roundtables. This upcoming Monday, Mark is going to have an interview with Jordan Peterson. You are not going to want to miss it. Then on Wednesday... Brian McWilliams hosts our newest show, Electric Liberty Land. This is a current event show with a touch of comedy mixed in, and Brian is doing a great job with that. And of course, every Friday you have this show, Felony Friday, which you're listening to right now. On this episode of Felony Friday, we're going to be talking about a couple different felonies trending in the news. We're going to play the fastest growing podcast game, Is This a Crime?, and should anyone do time? And I'm going to be bringing on a Frequent Contributor and Lions Liberty podcast guest, J.B. Lubin, to discuss these issues. I'll do that shortly. Before I do that, I do want to let you guys know where you can find the show notes for today's show. This is episode number 58 of your Friday. So that means you can find links and notes to everything we're going to discuss at lionsofliberty.com slash FF58. A couple of the issues we're going to be talking about with JB. We're going to be talking about an app that a lawyer designed to help felons get their convictions expunged. We're going to be talking about a bill in the state of Virginia that would automatically suspend elected officials upon felony conviction. And we'll be talking about a felon who has become a prosecutor we got even more to talk about other than those three stories. I will save those as a teaser, high-level teaser. Before I introduce JB, I do want to let you guys know we do have a couple new ways, recently announced, ways that you can help the show. Now, we recently launched, about a week ago, week and a half ago, now you're listening to this, we launched the Lions of Liberty store. You can find the Lions of Liberty store at lionsofliberty.com dot store. Now all of our shirts at the Lions Liberty store are quality. They're comfortable. We wanted to sell something here that we could be proud of that we'd want to wear ourselves, obviously. So we focused on comfort and we focused on making them stylish and eye-catching. And right now we have three different designs you can choose from. And I would go ahead and explain those different designs to you, but it would be much easier if you just go to lionsofliberty.store and check out those designs and pick up some shirts for yourself and for your, your family and friends. And... Uh, Get some Lions of Liberty swag at lionsofliberty.store. Now, the second way you can help us, this is new. This is within the past week here. The second way you can help the show, the second way you can help the Lions of Liberty podcast is becoming a Lions of Liberty patron. Now, in return for signing up to become a Lions of Liberty patron at one of our tiers, You're going to get some things in return, of course. You're going to get some exclusive content. You're going to get some complimentary items. You're going to get discounts at our online store. Obviously, the more you contribute, the more that you will get in return. And, you know, we've reached a point in time here at Lions of Liberty Over the years, we've poured resources and time into this thing, trying to build it up as much as we can, but we've really reached a point in time where we can't do this without you guys. We can't do this without our listeners if we want to take this to the next level. So we need your help. We need these funds that we're going to pour everything right back into the show. We need these funds to upgrade our sound quality, to hopefully incorporate some new live podcasts, maybe some some travel segments we can do. And uh, we also want to advertise. We want to advertise on other podcasts, other venues, because we want to grow our audience. We want to spread this message of liberty. We want to take it to the streets, and we want to grow this show. And we need your help to do that. So you can find all the information on this patron program at lionsofliberty.com support. So if you're excited about this as I am, as we are, please consider joining, becoming a patron. Visit lionsofliberty.com support today. My guest today is my good friend, J.B. Lubin. He's been a frequent Lions of Liberty contributor here, and it's great to have him back again, I think, for the third time on Felony Friday. J.B., welcome back.
0: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And I do think this is my third appearance on Felony Friday.
1: I think so. I have to page my way through the archives and find the other ones to link in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, I think this is time number three. If uh, people listening at home, if you want to check for yourself, you can go to FelonyFriday.com. And that'll uh, take you to the archives and you can you can leaf through and find the ones that uh, JB was on in the past. Now, it's been I think this might be the first time I know you've had a little little bit of time here since you've been on any of the uh, Lions of Liberty podcast. Probably the last time was maybe you were on one of the debate reaction shows. So I don't know if I talked to you since Trump won the election.
0: Not publicly, I guess. Yeah, We've, probably. of course, had our personal conversations as friends, but I don't think yeah. in any show format have we. I think the last show I was on was the last debate recap, if I remember correctly.
1: So I guess to publicly say, would you <laughs> how is Trump's America treating you? What do you think?
0: Treating me personally, I've not felt much of a difference, but you know, yeah. he hasn't come after me yet. Libertarian <laughs> podcasters, they're, they're low on his list. So once he gets to us, then maybe I'll start feeling feeling the burn of it. But, you know, status quo, status quo politicians. I'm at the point where I think all politicians are basically the same. He's doing some things that are a little surprising to me, but that's for another time and place I fail to really get into. I'll just leave it at that.
1: It's a nuanced issue. Of course, this character known as Donald Trump, you can't just give an overarching view of him. Exactly. It's a a complicated
0: thing. It's a lot of things to deconstruct there.
1: Indeed. So instead of doing that, instead of talking about Donald Trump, as I stated in the intro, we're going to talk about, of course, some criminal justice issues. We're going to start off by talking about three three stories here that I picked out from the past week, some uh, trending news items. First one comes from a lawyer. This is actually a positive story. It's always nice to have some positive stories on Felony Friday. This is a lawyer that created a free app that helps people to remove felony convictions, to help people to get their felony convictions expunged. This is a lawyer in Lexington, Kentucky, who created this app. And the app is called Unconvicted.com. Great name, easy to remember. And what it does, real simple, it just walks a person. They go to this app, they go to this website. It's compatible with all the usual phones and tablets. And it walks the uh, former offender through a series of questions to help them determine if they are able to get that conviction expunged. And then what it does is, I guess, it somehow takes this information, outputs it, and this uh, attorney here, Bradley Clark, and his associate, Carolyn Allen, they have some way of uh, compiling this, or maybe they're running it through a program. The article really really did not go into that aspect of it, where they're able to come back in three business days, and they give a free assessment to this person, saying if they believe that you know it can be expunged, and then they give you a do-it-yourself method, which is probably – Sort of difficult and a lot of paperwork, or of course, as the market would offer, they offer their services to do it for them. So I mean, I think this is just a, a really great thing to see, especially when I mean when you take into account how different states have been decriminalizing or legalizing marijuana, or of course in California where they've uh, with uh, Prop Forty Seven where they've really rolled back a lot of these uh, felony convictions and made this possible for people to get their felonies expunged. But a big criticism was, especially in California, was it was really hard to do and people didn't even, they weren't even notified if they could. So it would be great if more states, more lawyers around the country offered something like this. I mean, number one, because it's a great thing, way to give back to society, but also number two, it's a great way for them to get business. So it's maybe a little surprising that, Uh, You don't hear more about this. Maybe it's just not publicized. But what were your thoughts on this, JB? Is there any downside here? I'm not seeing any downside.
0: I personally think it's fantastic. I can't really see any downside to this whatsoever. Not only like when I saw this, I thought using, you know, current technology, having an app set up, making it as easy as possible, as far as I'm concerned, as possible for people to find your services and help them do something that will greatly increase their quality of life It's like one of the better things that I've read in this new year. I can't find any flaws in it, really. And even going into the law itself, just to see what Kentucky put on their books to eliminate these felonies, I think it's really nice um, what they're doing. It's limited to Class D felonies, which is from what I see, the lowest level of felonies you can get, which is like punishable to one to five years. So you're not getting any like, I guess, triple homicide, you know, people convicted of triple homicides getting clean slates for anybody, like, holding their skirts right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, these are for, like, minor crimes, some things that I didn't even know were felonies or which should be considered felonies, that you can get expunged off your record after five years of, like, good behavior, being a model citizen, you get to vote, you don't miss opportunities from jobs that are looking at these records and seeing these minor minor things on there and closing doors to you you can you're allowed to possess a firearm serve on a jury you're allowed to be a normal citizen of the united states again and i just love it especially bradley clark here setting up unconvicted.com in this app and just making it as easy as possible for the citizens of kentucky to get their lives in order i think it's fantastic
1: it's great and this yeah like you were saying this does come from it is just class d felonies and it comes from a law a house bill that was signed into law by Governor Matt Bevan, I believe pretty recently, within the past two years, which changed that. So it made, it made these Class D felons to be able to apply for expungement. Prior to that, they have to wait five years, like you said. Prior to that, they weren't able to do that. I just want to say one more thing about this. There was a great quote from this uh, attorney, Jeffrey Clark, where he said, I personally believe that everyone deserves a second chance. There are a lot of people out there who are getting left out of the legitimate economy who, if they were given a second chance, would be less likely to reoffend, who would be more likely to be a contributing member of society. And I just want to echo what you said, JB. This is a fantastic thing. And much like my guest last week on Felony Friday, where I had on Jeffrey Mould, where we talked about Finding jobs for felons. This is really a unique way where the free market is fighting the you know terrible effects of recidivism of people getting sucked back in to the criminal justice system. The government efforts have done nothing to ease this problem, probably because they're not trying to, because that just helps to you know line their pockets. If you have people getting sucked back into the system, the prison industrial complex continues to grow but it's great to see the free market fighting a government created problem. Let's move on and talk about the uh, next topic here and this is in uh, in Virginia there's a bill in Virginia that will suspend officials upon felony conviction. Now this sounds sort of like a no brainer surprised that you know a state like Virginia or maybe other states do have this law not that I've I thought I was able to find it in a quick search but what this is is new legislation The House bill actually passed today. The summary of this, basically, it provides that any officer who's convicted of a felony under the laws of the state shall be automatically suspended upon such conviction, regardless of appeals, pleadings, delays, motions, the bill contains an emergency clause. And I think the way they get around, you know, despite the appeals and things like that, is they hold any salary that that person is pulling in escrow while that is determined. This sounds like a pretty common sense thing to me. This stems from a uh, case in Norfolk where the city treasurer there, Anthony Burfoot, was guilty of corruption. He was found guilty of corruption in December, and he just refused to leave his his uh, city treasurer post. So this is a uh, you know it's a shame that it's necessary, something like this, but I would love to see something like this put in place across the country in every single state.
0: I would agree. And I do agree. I think there should be some type of, I guess, legislation on the books that makes it far easier to remove public officials that have been convicted of crimes uh, so that they're not just entrenched in there.
1: Now, does it depend on the type of crime, do you think? Um, There might be some crimes that, I don't know. The way things are going now, it seems that the drug war is is starting to ease a little bit. But, you know, somebody could get a, maybe they have a, a personal problem they're dealing with and they are, they do get a drug conviction of some kind. I don't know if they should be forced out for that. But if they're doing something, if they're committing fraud, like this gentleman, Anthony Burfer was basically taking kickbacks, I think it's pretty clear cut that something like that, I would definitely support this law, suspending them, taking them out of their seat.
0: Well, I guess it all depends. Is there a certain level of felony that wouldn't automatically see you removed from office for committing? I think once you reach the point of committing a felony, I can't, maybe you can, I think of a single felony public official can be convicted of and still keep their office, at least as far as maybe legally or even in the, the court of public opinion. How many people in that jurisdiction would want a felon being their treasurer? Like you said, it could depend on the crime. There are some things that are considered felonies that are kind of ridiculous in my eyes, but probably not in the entire eyes of, I guess, the city of Norfolk. So, I don't know.
1: True, true. I get what you're saying, but if you're just looking at it just from a, a perception standpoint, I mean, there's definitely been cases. Just what comes to mind first, I think, it was the mayor of Baltimore that was caught smoking crack. Then there was, of course, that uh, mayor in Canada who was caught smoking crack and was reelected, I believe.
0: Well, then, John, the people have spoken. <laughs> if you know the incumbent mayor is a well advertised crack smoker and you <laughs> vote him back in anyway. Then you get what you get, you know, the people have spoken. What can I say? I don't live in those jurisdictions. If they want a crackhead as their mayor, who am I to say that they can't have a crackhead as their mayor?
1: That's true. That's true. You know, that's a good point when you put it that way. Maybe it should come down to the people. And now that I'm starting to think about this a little bit more, do you really need a law? Assuming that these local officials don't have terms that span, I think most local officials are two-year terms. So they're going to cycle through pretty quickly. So if somebody does get some sort of conviction, some sort of they commit some sort of fraud or somebody like that, you would think that it's going to cycle through quickly enough that they're going to have a, a referendum on their illegal activity. So
0: I did have an issue with that, and I, I want to say something about that before we moved on. Would it happen quickly? It's like this is regardless of appeals or anything of that nature. Let's say this public official was tried and found guilty, but let me just play devil's advocate here, was Hmm. legitimately you know, railroaded or wasn't guilty of these crimes and they want to fight this and appeal this. Now they're no longer able to do their job. They're no longer able to get a salary. That might be the only income coming into their family at the moment. It's all being put into escrow. If it's being put into escrow, I assume that, so they have to continue to do that job, but they're not actually getting paid for it. So now all their money is going to escrow and appeal processes can take years. So, like, how are they supposed to support their families while this is going on?
1: They're essentially being coerced into resigning because what other, what other yeah. choice do they have? Um, that's yeah, what that's I a good see, point. Because
0: if the money's going to escrow, it's under the assumption that they're continuing in their duties, or why would they be getting paid at all? So now mm-hmm. they're doing this and not getting paid. So they don't have, not only do they have time to do anything else, this is really like a push to, I guess, not clog the court with appeals. If you get tried, convicted, you're done whether or not you actually did anything wrong or not. And is that exactly fair?
1: And the more we talk, I'm against it now.
0: I'm against <laughs> it. <laughs> you
1: changed <my> mind, JB. <laughs> I am now no longer in favor of House Bill 2364.
0: You know, there's a lot of like nuanced things that can come up that I can see where this might not be very fair as far as mm-hmm. justice is concerned. Because you have a right to an appeal. That everyone who's convicted of something is actually illegal. That's why the appeal process works. I mean, that's why it exists, I should say.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the nature of especially, well, not especially local politics, but
0: I guess I say it that way because
1: sometimes people are naive to think that local politics is not as corrupt and it's, if not more corrupt than, you know, federal. Actually, I
0: have a feeling federal it's more pol- corrupt because it's, it, it's yeah, easier. It, it's like a lower level. Like the more contact you have with the people, I feel like there's a higher chance you can be corrupt.
1: Exactly. So like you were saying, somebody could just be being railroaded by people in positions of power, just to get them out of the way so they can push their agenda through. And something like this could be used as a tool. So yeah, I'm glad we talked about this because it, it cleared it up for me.
0: was just a couple of things I was batting around my head while I was reading this article, saying yeah. how this could potentially be detrimental. Because on face value, it seems c- completely legit, you know?
1: Absolutely. Now, moving on to our next topic here, we're going to talk about a felon who got a second chance and became a prosecutor. So this guy's name is Ryan Martin. This is in Madison County. And he was convicted back in the late nineties, 1998, 1999 in Monroe County. He was charged with uh, burglary. And at the time he's, you know, 17, 18 years old. And he pled guilty and was sentenced to three years in prison, served his time Gets out, goes to college, goes to law school and passes the bar, I believe, in Missouri and in Illinois. So he says throughout the entire process, he was honest with everybody about his his criminal past, the felonies he committed in the past and met one on one with the law school, met with representatives from the Missouri and Illinois state bars. And they say they take everything on a case by case basis and they were fine with allowing him through to become a lawyer. So JB looking at something like this, you know, th- this is a story. I think this is a pretty positive story that somebody uh, you, you know, we don't want to leave people for dead based on past mistakes they make. Cuz this person did commit real crimes and you know, they it was accountable to them and served his time. So in my mind, this should be a really a non-issue that somebody is a felon and then becomes a prosecutor. What are your thoughts?
0: I don't have a problem with this at all. Like you said, yeah, these were serious crimes, but they were crimes committed in his youth. He went into the system, the system supposedly set up to rehabilitate, might I add. Came out of the system, went to school, got good grades, got into a law school, passed the law school, and passed the bar in two states. It's time to give this guy, you know, the second chance I assume everyone deserves when they've made a mistake. And if he's turned into a state's prosecutor or is in the department, more power to him. Like you said, He's been um, honest and forthwith with everyone through every single process that he's gone through, and he's been deemed worthy by the powers that be. So who am I to say that he's not?
1: Now, a question on this, and they did talk about this in the article a little bit. Would it be a scumbag move for a defense attorney to bring up his criminal past during the trial to use against him to really to uh, lessen his abilities to prosecute?
0: Well, yeah, I don't know if it'd be a scumbag move. I guess they can bring it up. But it's up to him as a prosecutor whether he wants to take that into consideration. I don't think a jury should. And I think they mentioned in the same article whether um, Mr. Martin should be required to disclose his criminal past to defense lawyers. And they said no one said that he should. And I don't agree that he should either. I don't think it's relevant. You know, Um, like we mentioned before, he did his time. It's not like he didn't go to jail for these burglaries he committed. He went to jail. He served mm-hmm. his time. He got out. So what are they going to say in turn? He'll just be like, OK, so they get to go to jail like I did. And if they want to come out and straighten their lives, I'll be the first one in line to help them along. That's what Absolutely. I would say if I was in his position.
1: If a defense attorney did try to do that, I think it would it would end up backfiring in their face. So it's probably something that probably something that wouldn't happen. But
0: yeah, I doubt it. It's not like he, he skirted the system whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He paid his dues to society as far as I'm concerned.
1: I think it's a great thing, and uh, it's somebody that I'd love to have on the show someday to talk to, if possible. So I, I will reach out to reach out to him, oh, yeah. and see if we can bring him on Felony Friday. And also, I'd like to—I'm going to I'm gonna reach out to the guy who created that app to uh, expunge felony, see if we can see if we can get him on as well. So I've got some potential guests here on this Felony Friday we're talking about. Want to move on now and play? Is this a crime? And should anyone do time? We have three different topics today, so we're going to try to move through these fairly quickly. We'll see how that goes. First one is talking about the concept of drug possession, being close to schools, should that be a felony, where it's not a misdemeanor. So this comes from Oklahoma, and the bill is HB 1482. And the reason this bill is being submitted, because previously in Oklahoma, drug possession was decriminalized from a felony to a misdemeanor. So one of the representatives there has submitted this bill. What it does is it essentially, it amends part of state question 780, which is that law, which would make drug possession would be a felony within a thousand feet of a daycare, a public or private elementary school, a secondary school, a public vocational school, a public or private college, university, or other institution of higher education, a church, recreation center, or park, including state parks, fairgrounds, recreation areas, or in the presence of any child under 12 years of age. So basically, they're making it a felony everywhere. But simple question, JB, should it be a worse crime to have drugs around these areas or around children?
0: I think this law is ridiculous and overreaching. There's no sense of um – um I guess, what we were talking about nuance involved in this, like the headline of the article said near schools. And that's all it said. Not only does this not just pertain to schools, it's I wouldn't even constitute it as being near because a thousand feet away from something is not exactly close to it. First and foremost,
1: I'd like to see somebody draw a map of it. would probably take a lot of time to do and Like in the state of Oklahoma, and map out all these things, a 1,000 feet around them, it would probably be like the entire state, except for in the middle of freaking nowhere.
0: 1,000 feet from every church, school, daycare, fairground. And case in point, when I read this, I did one of my own searches because I live very close to a park in Philadelphia and a rec center. I live, and I can't see this place from my house or anything, I live 350 feet from a Philadelphia rec center and park. 350 feet. So that means that if Let's say, for example, myself or a friend of mine was caught smoking a joint in my back porch. They would get charged with a felony, but someone two streets east of me would get a misdemeanor. How is that justice?
1: It's yeah, it's ridiculous. It
0: makes no sense whatsoever. It just is a very personal case because I live only 350 feet from a rec center or in a park. There's a park and a rec center together. It's like it it makes no sense. It makes no logistical sense. And there's there's no way that it's actually protecting children by making this blanket law. And not only does it not protect children, it actually hurts young people because universities are put in there. So any university kid that might be caught with a little bit of pot or even a little bit of Coke or a little bit of E or a little bit of anything now has to get their lives ruined and get something on their record because now, according to the state of Oklahoma, they're a felon because they got caught with this in their dorm. Or walking along campus or something like that. It's actually hurting young people. It's not helping them. It's the most ridiculous thing. After the people of the state of Oklahoma have spoken, passing the state question 780, which I assume is kind of like a proposition in California. That's what I assume. Like I believe so. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. They said they want to drop possession down to a misdemeanor. This guy comes along and wants to bump it up to a felony for some of the most vulnerable people in their population.
1: Yeah. And he's using such sneaky, tricky political tactics, framing this in a way that it's you know near schools, using ways that would make people think that, oh, it's only going to be close to schools. It can't be bad, right? Of course you want to keep drugs out of schools. So he frames in that way. So anybody who opposes it, anybody who's he's going to have to run against in a couple of years, I'm assuming this won't pass. Maybe it will. Who the hell knows? If it doesn't pass, he can use it you know, in political ads. You'll see, you know, so-and-so, you know voted against a bill that would have kept drugs out of schools It's such bullshit typical political crap and uh i'm glad we talked about it and re- really exposed it for what it is next one up now this is a little bit controversial i think there's these protests going on all across the united states a lot of them you know anti-trump protests and whatnot associated with trump in different ways before that black lives matter Those protests use similar tactics. This uh, topic is referring to an article and a a protest that occurred in Connecticut. And what happened was there was an ambulance that was trying to get through this protest. It was an anti-Donald Trump protest, I believe, near New Haven, Connecticut. And there was an ambulance trying to get through carrying a critically ill patient. They were trying to get to the Yale New Haven Hospital. And they were unable to get through. And due to this delay, the ambulance personnel required to perform an emergency surgery inside the ambulance rather than getting to the hospital and doing it there, which I'm sure everything would have been much better. Now there's no information out on if this harmed or if this had any sort of effect on the patient in the ambulance. But just thoughts on this, JB, blocking an ambulance, blocking a road, blocking traffic, should that be a crime?
0: Yeah, I think so it's already a crime not to give an ambulance the right of way as you're driving. So to actively be preventing them from reaching the hospital, I don't see how that's justified. You know, it's like, I'm all for demonstrating. I'm all for protests. I don't want to be come across as a person who doesn't think that people have the right to assemble and make a nuisance of themselves, to be completely frank. I don't care if, people want to protest and legitimately make a nuisance of themselves, even if that includes blocking roads. And sure, that might inconvenience me in a car, but, you know, I don't know what the traffic's like in Pittsburgh, but in Pennsylvania, I'm always being inconvenienced on the roads. Whether it be protesters or idiots who don't know how to drive, my time behind the wheel is often unpleasant. What difference does it make what the cause is? But when there's an emergency vehicle, particularly an ambulance someone's life is at stake here you need to show some common sense and let the ambulance go by i'm not even talking about regular traffic like some people have places to be they've got all sorts of things they have to do but an ambulance should take paramount over that just create a lane let the ambulance get through and continue with their protest anything else is tantamount to like you're basically trying to kill someone and i don't think that's right personally Absolutely.
1: 100% agree with you on the blocking an ambulance. That should be a crime. But I would take it one step farther. I got to disagree with you. I think blocking traffic, getting in the way of people, I mean, I don't know what their circumstances are. The protesters don't know what their circumstances are. They could be having a heart attack and have to get to the hospital and they can't get through. Who the heck knows? I think that is a crime. That is a form of detaining someone against their will. And it's not being treated that way, obviously, right now. Law enforcement is allowing protesters to really block intersections, to go onto highways, block traffic. And I think it should be treated as a crime. It's a h- kind of hate that the phrase, that term slippery slope, but it, it really is. Because if we don't have the ability to freely move, to freely you know, drive down the road to get to where we need to be, if protesters are allowed to really detain us and there's no charges, there's no repercussions, I, I think that needs to change. That's something that can really get out of hand.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. But I kind of feel like as long as you're you're not actively endangering somebody's life, if that's what you want to do. As far as the laws are written right now, it's not illegal to do so. You know what I mean? And do I think that it should be illegal? Probably not, because most of the time you're just inconveniencing people. And a lot of times, like, who cares if you're inconveniencing people? That's how I see it. Like, of course, it might be an instance where somebody might be having a heart attack and that's the case, which is why I want like emergency vehicles to go by. You know, I don't feel like my time is so valuable that that people are protesting a cause that they truly feel so strongly about that they're willing to go out in the streets and deal with all that nonsense that my time is worth more than that.
1: My time is worth more than that. <laughs> I mean,
0: it, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's that's your personal opinion. I have my personal opinion. Because you know what? If they're going to make the same... Yeah, and that's fine. We don't agree
1: on this. I like that. I like that we disagree. Because the way I look at it, I think they can make the same impact doing it without impeding travel. They can make the same impact from a safe place where they're not putting themselves and other people in danger. Don't get me wrong.
0: I don't think that they could they'd make any less of an impact, but I have to think that maybe it's, it's a press thing. Like, I don't think annoying people is the best way to get people on your side. And I feel like protests that disrupt traffic only works to annoy more people than it does enlighten them.
1: 100%.
0: I don't feel like I'm in a position to be telling people these things and telling them how they should protest and telling them where they should protest. I think that kind of starts to chip away at the right of assembly. Who am I to tell them the best way they should get their point across?
1: I understand where you're coming from. Unfortunately, we got to move on. We got our last topper. This story goes back to both myself and JB's alma mater here. We both attended Penn State University. And this was a student. This was over the weekend. He was charged in his residence hall with arson after setting his shirt on fire Uh, to quickly go through what happened. This student, uh, apparently, the guy's name, Jedediah Seinfeld. I don't know any any relation to Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not sure. That name
0: sounds so fake. (laughs) It sounds like an alias. Are you sure that's his real name? Are you sure he's not a minor and they just had to put a fake name out there?
1: That'd be quite a fake name. I don't know be quite a fake name. Jedediah Seinfeld, 18 out of Skillman, New Jersey. Anyway, so apparently he just comes in this room with other other people hanging out at night, 3.30 a.m. I guess this happened. So I'm sure everybody was sober. I mean, of course everyone's sober at 3.30 in the morning. And he comes in, he has some lighter fluid and stuff, and he lights his shirt on fire, freaks out, runs outside into the hallway, throws in the garbage can. The garbage can goes up in flames. And then the police show up and they put it out. And the reason that Mr. Seinfeld here said that he lit his shirt on fire, he said, because he was unhappy. So he's been charged with arson, endangering, an inhabited building, risking a catastrophe. I didn't even know that was a, was a crime. Those are both felonies. And he also was charged with, I guess they found a little bit of marijuana on him. So there's a misdemeanor there and recklessly endangering another person. So he's got quite a bunch of crimes. So he's going to have to fight there. And my question to you, JB, is this a crime? And if you think it is, which I would you say, is it a felony, too? I mean, that's that's a pretty heavy uh, response here.
0: Well, that depends. Is there such a thing as misdemeanor arson? (laughs) Is there such a thing? Because he did purposely light something on fire in a place in a building that could conceivably catch on fire as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Granted, he realized like this was a problem when he did it, and tried to, you know, I guess remedy the situation in his um, non-sober way. I don't know if he should do time over it. And I guess from this being my third appearance on Felony Friday, I'm loath to send people to prison in general, (laughs) but I definitely think this is a crime. Like, if I lived above this guy, I shouldn't be at risk of burning, being burned alive in my bed just because you're having a bad day. You know, there is you know, there is this the idea of public safety at hand here that you shouldn't be lighting stuff on fire because, you know, you're not having a good day or not feeling good. There are people you can talk to on campus. I went to that school. There's counseling. There's people there to help you if you're not feeling well. Lighting things on fire is not the way to go.
1: Absolutely. I got to agree with you there. I think there's got to be some penalty. Of course. Yeah. Fine or something. But, you know, Giving this kid a felony is in no way going to help his life situation at all in any way. It's not going to make the garbage can be unburned. It's not going to really help anything in the situation. So, yeah, hopefully he doesn't end up doing time and uh, can learn his lesson from being a moron. Yeah,
0: I'm sure was seeing that he realized that this was like the dumbest thing he could think of doing and at least try to do something about it. They can probably plea it down to something that doesn't require any jail time or maybe a felony conviction. There's ways, as long as his lawyer is not, you know, incompetent, he can still, you know, show some responsibility for his actions, but not be adversely affected by it for the rest of his life either, you know, because I do not want to see that happen as well. You know, there should be some type of punishment, but not one that he has to carry with him forever.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, thanks for coming on. That's it for the show today. Really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about these important felonies. And you even changed my mind on one of them. So, oh, thank you for having me, man. It's been fun. It's been great, man. So, that's a wrap for the show today, guys. If you want to reach out, you want to contact me, you want to give me some show ideas, or you want to send me some articles that you'd like me to talk about, you can always send me an email, Friday at lionsofliberty.com. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive the Lions of Liberty podcast, On iTunes, please consider doing that. Or if you don't have an iPhone, you can check out Stitcher Radio and subscribe there as well. But the best way to really help our show grow and to help us to really raise our platform a little bit is even if you don't listen on iTunes, to go and give us a five-star rating, leave a review. It really helps us out with the whole iTunes algorithm, which will get us out to a wider audience. And just two more notes I do want to mention again, which I talked about in the intro. We do have a store. We do sell shirts now. You can pick up your Lions of Liberty swag at lionsofliberty.store. And you can also become a Lions of Liberty patron. You can join the Lions Pride here. Help us out. Help us to contribute to the show by going to lionsofliberty.com slash support and learning about it there and learning about everything that you get in return, all the perks you get for becoming a Lions of Liberty patron. So that's it for the show today, guys. Really appreciate you listening in. This is John Odermeth signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is the liberty burning.